Buddy. Hey, hey, all right. Now, now it's working. Now we're on. Hey, listen. Um, I meant to tell you for tonight's show, you got to bring your kilt. My kilt. All right. I'll you, dig you, it out. Put that kilt on, and I will see you in the gym. Sounds good, man. See you in the gym. All right, pal. Hey, everybody. Keith Billis here, the Business Athlete Podcast. Joining me, always here, always has my back. Personal trainer to the stars, AJ Zaglin. And introducing our guest, two times Olympic gold medalist and world champion curler and ultimate business athlete, Caitlin Laws. Today on the show, curlers are the ultimate business athlete. Join me, AJ, and Caitlin swapping out the gym for the curling rink. Up next on the Business Athlete Podcast. I know you can hear me. And yes, I've got my kilt on, my curling shoes on, and my broom in hand. I'm marching up the sheet, the big old curling sheet at the Business Athlete Curling Club in Winnipeg, Canada. And hey, look over there across the rink. There's my second AJ Zeglin kilt on. <laughs> Curling shoes on, broom in hand. Ready to go, man, ready to go. The roaring game's in front of us, and I'm your skip, Keith Billis. And I'm proud, just out proud, to welcome you, to welcome you all to a special, a special Olympic edition of the business, the business athlete, the business athlete podcast. Oh man, hi. <laughs> How's it going today, my friend? I see you it's have going. your kilt on. You got your broom in hand. I loved, uh, I love that intro, man. I love. As soon as the music started, I was like, I know where this is going. I like this. So, if anybody doesn't know what curling is, anybody, yeah, you simply type in curling into Google, the old Google machine, and Wikipedia pops up. Scotland. Yeah. Easy to pick music today, AJ. Easy to pick music. I'm going to tell you a little story. I, I, I've told you this before. I love picking the music yeah. for the show. Yesterday, I was in between meetings at my desk, and I'm like, okay, I'm kind of feeling it right now. Got onto the old uh, inter- internets there and went to the old website and typed in the old uh, www. address. Within 30 seconds, typed in Scottish. Yeah. Boom, that song showed up and I was oh, grinning yeah. from ear to ear and I'm like, I can't wait to play this for my for my spot. This is this is the one. It is. This yeah. is the one. Yeah, I gotta yeah. tell you, I say this every show. I say this every show. Yep. Uh, and my eyes are looking forward to this one. It is it is a big one. Our first ever we had we had a pro NHL athlete, but our first ever Olympic athlete, not one, yeah. AJ, not one, but two time Olympic gold medalist athlete. Yeah. Oh man, super excited. As I like to say, um, one hundred percent of the time she goes to the Olympics, she wins a gold medal. How many people can say that? I have a relatable story for you. <laughs> okay, I have a relatable. We all put our pants on the same way. Story, I think. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, I came up at the dinner table, so I am starting a, a business type campaign at work, and uh, we're doing a reach out campaign to people around the planet just to stay in touch and a reach out campaign from me to them. Right. AJ. 
and mm-hmm. uh, telling, you know, talking about the planning of it. And one of my colleagues is like, well, you know, some people might be nervous hearing from the CEO of the company. And I'm like, well, I, I, I didn't really consider that. If you're, you, you know what I mean? Like people idolize yeah. people in certain roles or they look at certain roles and they, they think of yeah. certain roles uh, in certain ways. How does that sound? They think of certain roles in certain ways. We, we imagine people in certain ways. I know when, yeah. when I was a kid, you look at your teacher in a certain way. Jeez, I wonder, does my teacher go home and eat dinner or does he, does he put his pants <laughs> yeah. on the same way? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, I, I remember the first time I saw one of my elementary school teachers at a bar later on in life and it blew my mind. <laughs> it blew my mind. I was like, what? You know? Yeah. And then I'm like, oh yeah, right. They're just like a regular person like me. Like they just existed in my mind only as a yeah. grade seven yeah. teacher. Yeah. And that was it. That's their whole life, you know? Exactly. So, so here's where I'm going with this. I'm sitting yeah. at the dinner table telling the kids that uh, the story that there's people might be and they, they overheard the conversation that uh, they're like, well, dad. So I'm like, yeah, p- people might be nervous to hear from me. And my kids look at me. They're like, why? <laughs> yeah. the, the night before they saw me sitting on the couch in my PJs and my disheveled hair. And right. We all put yep. our pants on the same way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, there is, like you said, there's always a different, a little bit of a uh, level of, maybe uncertainty or nervousness or whatever when you're a uh, two, when you're hearing though from the boss, right? I guess. Yeah. There yeah. just is there. There is like in any job. I, and there are when the, absolutely. you know, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. There yeah. is. And, uh, it's having that. It's, I guess it's having that same awareness that, yeah, but I put my pants on the same way as you do, but it's all the context, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know that, um, you know, through experience, yes. right? Yes. And some of these people uh, may not have had that experience, you know, or that moment yet where they realize that. And then, so the, the kind of cool thing though, is then when they do actually get to hear from you, you can kind of help, you know, maybe ease some of that nervousness or, or change some of uh, those perceptions of how they might have thought it was going to be to, to work with the boss or hear from the so boss true. or deal with, you know what I mean? And then they're like, Oh, wow, that was a completely different interaction than what I had in my mind. And then they're like, you know, and then you're just practicing what you preach. And then now they're believing in the, hey, we really do all put on our pants the same, you know? Exactly, exactly, exactly. In conversation with uh, myself and AJ Zeglin on episode six, the weeks of the Business Athlete Podcast. Uh, Today's show guest, Caitlin Law, is joining us very shortly to talk about curlers being those ultimate business athletes. Hey, if you want to get hold of AJ... AJ, if somebody, wants, if somebody wants to get a hold of you for friendship, yeah, yeah, they can reach you at AJ at businessathletes.com yep. or they can find you on Instagram at the real yep. business athlete or at AJ Zeglin. Yes, yeah, all those are true. Yeah, and if they want to get a hold of you for training advice, yeah, they can get a hold of you there uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, any uh, for friendship or for training advice, uh, any of those will work just fine. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and if you want to. You just want to talk to myself. You want to talk business. You want to talk anything. You can find me, Keith, at businessathletes.com. If you have any show suggestions or guest suggestions, we'd love to hear from you, Uh, especially as we go into the, uh, well, we always like to hear from you. So you can find us at The Real Business Athlete on Instagram, 
uh, on email, Keith at businessathletes.com, AJ at businessathletes.com. Big plans for 2021 with this platform. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. What else is going on, AJ? It's been a week since we connected on the last show with uh, last guest, Steve Hulford. We haven't, we haven't uh, reflected much in that guest with Steve. Uh, you know, you've had some time to think about that show. What did you think about that one? Certain people, <laughs> I feel just when you hear them start to speak, I, I feel like I already know it's going to be super interesting. And as yeah. soon as he jumped on with us yeah. and within the first like two minutes, I'm like, man, I feel like this is going to be a, just a really interesting conversation. You know, uh, just the way he spoke, like his views on stuff, the way he articulated certain things and from his athletic career and his uh, business career, I just felt I was like, wow, this is a really intelligent, smart guy. And I'm really interested to hear what he has to say, you know. If, if you haven't heard episode five of the Business Athlete Podcast, Steve Hulford, CEO of The Underknown, uh, owner of a number of online YouTube channels, uh, Facebook Watch, Amazon Prime, they answer questions you know, about humanities and the universe. Um, what if, like, what if you fell into an ocean, AJ? What if you... Uh... <laughs> I already know what would happen then. Yeah. I had somebody send me a note last week after the last show saying... AJ really does not like the ocean, does he? Yeah, like it It really, I feel like I don't have many fears in, in life, you know, but I don't know if I would do something as simple as if I was on a boat in the middle of the ocean, I don't know if I would jump off the boat and go swimming in the ocean. I really don't think I would. I got something for you. Yeah. I've talked about the Peloton in the past, business athlete. Yeah. Both my kids FTP tests. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, nice. yeah. Kicking ass and taking names, man. Yeah, yeah. How they they enjoy it? Oh, they enjoyed it all right. Yeah, it was the hardest thing that uh, they both done, did, and uh, yeah. it was uh, good for them. You know, it's it's uh, those are teaching moments, right? Yeah, twenty minutes of cool. all out uh, all out ass kicking there on the bike. Yeah, well, it's awesome for them. It's great that they're. Uh, um, you can just kind of have a developing a genuine interest in it, right? Absolutely, because that, yeah. that sets your that sets you up for a hey, you know, it's 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 awesome that yeah. you know as kids that we play sports and that we play and we develop these things, and ideally that's what it turns into is just for a love for physical activity that just carries through your life, right? Yeah. And you always find yourself no matter where you're at in your in your uh, life journey that you're still making time to get in the gym. So true, so true, so it, true. It, it's also funny too. I, I I've had this conversation many times, but it isn't it interesting that sometimes like as a kid, some of those things in a weird way are almost like really fun. And then as we age and get older and older, like our perception of them kind of changes. Like, do you remember jump rope for heart? Oh yeah. Of course. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, I, I don't know how long it was and like, maybe I'm not remembering this correctly. Cause as time goes on, maybe, you know, you exaggerate and, you know, of what it was in your mind, but I swear we were like jumping rope in the gym for like an hour, you know, like, and raising money, getting sponsored and stuff to jump rope. And I go to the gym now and I skip for a minute and I could almost taste like blood in the back of my mouth. Right. And I'm like, Holy, how is this fun? I used to skip for an hour. Why don't we jump rope anymore? I don't know. You know, extremely simple, effective form of conditioning, uh, that you don't see, 
quite as much. I feel like it has made a little bit of a comeback in a, a certain way, but there was for a while there, I never used to see it at all for, for a long time, you know, outside of the sport of like boxing or something maybe. Right. But as far as, Hey, we're talking now about exercising at home and everyone having home gyms, get yourself a skipping rope for your conditioning work. You it's know, so true, isn't it? All, all you need is a, you know, a little bit of space, not much. And, uh, and you can skip and, uh, talk about a challenging form of conditioning. As usual, uh, you know, try to do a little bit of research for for all the guests. And obviously, uh, for this episode, I knew our guest a little bit. So not so much personal research, but did some research on her sport. I yes. found it an interesting fact that I did not realize. Tell me. T- t- tell our audience. Tell the global business yeah. athlete audience. So at the bottom of a pond in Scotland, yeah. they found a curling stone. That was engraved with a date on this curling stone. So based on this premise, they've kind of been able to date back when they think this, when the sport of curling was invented, when people were playing it. Yeah. What do you think that year was? 1511. <laughs> it was. We read the same thing. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, you're oh, correct. Didn't, no. that, didn't that blow your mind? Well, so I, yeah, I, I, I simply did a little search in the Google thing there, and I saw the I saw the number fifteen eleven pop up. I didn't really, I didn't really read further than that. But is that what it was? Is that really they found they found the curling rock in the bottom of a pond. Eh? Yeah, and 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 engraved in the curling stone was the year fifteen eleven. Fifteen eleven. Yeah, so that's, that's a long. Time. Do you know what I mean? Like, so this sport is over five hundred years old. Yeah, like I don't know. I just it, it's as it's as old as the demographic that watches it. <laughs> Keith and AJ here on the Business Athlete Podcast, laughing it up before our guest Caitlin Laws joins us. World champion, two-time gold medalist. Ah, cracking some fun about the sport of curling, AJ. The Roaring yeah. Game, Roaring Game. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I I took a. Uh... I took a specific uh, higher level of interest in curling once I met a bunch of competitive curlers through my my day job in the in the gym, and uh, we've been blessed to have a bunch of curlers come through the facility, and then that's when I really started paying attention to the sport more and more. You know, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm happy that happened. I love it when the Olympics come. It's one of my favorite sports to watch in the yeah, Winter Olympics. I, I enjoy watching it as well. Yeah, and then I've kind of started watching. You know, I watch the Scotties, I watch the Briar, I watch, I really, I feel certain sports work well um, for like viewership and to watch on television. Yes. yes. And that's definitely one of them. Oh, it absolutely is. I I think, I think curling plays really well for a televised sport. Mm -hmm. I know many would disagree with me, hence the ratings, but, uh, I think it views well. I, I I enjoy watching the sport. You have to understand the sport, but I enjoy watching it. It's it's yeah. it's a peaceful thing to watch. Yeah, but I feel the I feel the pace of it moves well. Yes. Um, I feel like the how close you feel to the athletes. Yes, mics uh, on works really well. We're gonna have to ask Caitlin about mics on. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And um, just like all the camera angles and where they're able to get and the fact that you're able to see it like from the above view and from the, I just, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just feel the whole thing works really well for television. I really enjoy watching it on TV. 
Yeah, yeah. There's a certain sound to curling, isn't there as well, AJ? Like the sound to that sport is different than other sports I find when you watch it on television. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you hear everything, right? Yeah, yeah so true. You could hear the rock, the sound of the rock sliding. You could hear the sweeping. You can like you can hear all those little aspects of the game. They're audible, like yeah. the way it's set up on television, right? So it makes you feel very close to the players, close to the game. I can imagine the struggles curlers are having right now with uh, with the sport. We'll have to ask Caitlin about that coming up as well. The, the pandemic and how the business side of the sport has been affected. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, as you mentioned, curling being uh, the ultimate business athletes. Yeah, because you know, as you mentioned, a lot of curlers have a, a professional career simultaneously happening as their sporting career goes on where we've seen a lot of other professional sports, you know, they might be in their professional sporting career. And then when that ends, then they transition maybe into something in business where a lot of the time for the curling, it's not just one before the other. They're both simultaneously happening at the same time. So um, it's a, I think it's a perfect fit and perfect illustration of what we talk about on the business athlete. Yeah, I think, I think it's, I think it's going to be a great fit. Great show coming up here on, on the show. Uh, Caitlin Laws. A two-time gold medalist, two different sports. AJ, like you mentioned, hey, two to two, two different. Uh, I should say um, classes. No, how, how do they describe it? Two different. Yeah, like uh, events or, or disciplines of the sport. Yeah, being in the team event and in the mixed doubles. Yeah, uh, very, two yeah. two different dynamics. You, you talk about you know being a leader and then having to you know her journey. Right, she's she's a, she's she's she takes her own team and then she joins. Uh, another team, she leads one, does not lead the other, and then she goes from a team of four to a team of two. You talk about diversity as a leader in a sport, right? Yeah, totally. She's, you know, probably one of the most, I shouldn't say probably, she is one of the most, like, successful people in her sport. No question. Like, I, I and, you know, what? I, she's yeah, got one and, of the top top curlers in... in oh. Yeah, if you look at her resume and what she's been a part of on a junior level, and then when she's uh, joined the women's, the events that she's won, um, just having two gold medals uh, from curling, uh, she's the only curling athlete in the world to have two gold medals from curling. So, I mean, her resume speaks uh, for itself. She's easily one of the most accomplished uh, curlers um, of all time. And I feel like, it can't be by coincidence that she was successful at two separate Olympic games in two different disciplines of the sport. You know what I mean? Yes. It's not like she reproduced that success um, at the same Olympics or within the same Olympics. It's not like she reproduced that success um, competing in the exact same event at two different Olympics. Yeah. Two separate Olympics, two separate events with the same outcome. It, it's hard to yeah. argue that she's not perhaps the greatest female curler. Yeah. I mean, from just what she's accomplished on that stage, like, so the interesting thing about curling, I would say is it didn't become an Olympic sport until 1998. Yes. So previous to that, yes. Um, you know, the big thing was uh, in Canada was winning uh, 
for female curling is winning the Scotties yes. tournament of hearts yes. and then winning the world championships. That was kind of the pinnacle of the sport. Now it'd be interesting to ask her, but I almost feel like the pinnacle of that sport is now shifted to the Olympics. I yes. feel, you know, as soon as a sport becomes an Olympic sport, yes. that almost becomes like the top of the mountain in, in my eyes, people within the sport might view it differently, Yes, but I feel like, so since it's become an Olympic sport, like I said, no other curler has done what she has done. So you could easily make the argument from the time it became an Olympic sport in 1998 that no one else has had the success that she's had within the top level of that sport being the Olympic Games. All right, AJ. So before we bring Caitlin onto the show, yeah, as you know, global audience, ICUC social listeners, all my, all those peeps around the world, right? On the Business Athlete Podcast. Some people not, might not know what curling is. We talked about it at the beginning as we set up the show. But, right. but can you describe to the audience... All of the listeners around the world, what curling is? Oh, man, I feel that's a lot of pressure. I'll, I'll give you my description. I'll let Caitlin add on to it uh, as she sees fit yeah. since she would be the expert. I would say curling, it's a unique team sport that requires athleticism, a high degree of athleticism to be performed on ice, which obviously adds another degree of difficulty to it. It's a physical game. It's a technical game of skill and strategy. So much so that has actually been described as chess on ice. Nicely done, my friend. I think so. I, it's absolutely, I think, a difficult, fun game to describe. I think the best person, the, the best person to probably describe it is why don't we stop talking about ourselves and officially invite our guest into the show? Two-time, two-time gold medalist, world champion, Caitlin Laws. Welcome to the Business Athlete Podcast. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. The goal of the first part of our show, Caitlin, is to just get to know the guest behind the story. Um, you know, the reason why we have you here today. So uh, I'm going to throw it off with the first question to you is, you know, we've all been kind of locked up for a while. We all haven't seen each other and talked for a long time. And, you know, I know you've, you've done some training with AJ in the past. We've crossed paths. Have you heard the show before? Do you have any feedback for us? <laughs> well, once you reached out to me and asked if I'd be on the show, of course, I had to see what I was getting myself into. And uh, so I've listened to a few episodes and I've always enjoyed our chats in the gym. And I've known AJ now for over 10 years. I mean, we've had a gap year 2020, obviously, but before that, we were, it was over 10 years that I was at the gym at Focus Fitness. So no, I'm proud of you guys for doing something that you're passionate about and uh, pursuing a new goal. So I think that's pretty cool. And so far you've had some great guests. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and I said to AJ today, today's a big one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I'm, it's funny because I always talk to people about it and get feedback from each episode and they're like, what do you got going on for the next one? And every single week I'm like, oh man, next week, <laughs> next week's <laughs> the biggest one, you know, just kind of that eternal optimist, just, you know, always really excited about uh, what we're doing next. But yeah, so I was, I was pretty pumped for this one. Obviously, like Caitlin had mentioned, known each other a long time, got a high, high degree of respect for her and everything that she, that she's done. And uh, so I was just really excited and, and honored that she would take some time out to spend some time with us, hang out. Absolutely. So Caitlin, here's a question for you. Easy to look you up on the interwebs, Caitlin Laws. People are going to find a lot of great stuff about you. Tell us something, and, and, and AJ asked this question of Dale. Tell us something that we're not going to find on the interwebs about Caitlin. Oh, gosh. I feel like my whole life is out there now. So even my deepest, darkest secrets, they're now out there too. It's not like your success in curling has just been recent. Like you've had success from a very young age. I, I remember 
uh, seeing you in the newspaper uh, as a junior and seeing you on the front page of the sports section, winning the uh, nationals and stuff. And so I feel like, you know, for uh, your athletic career, like you've, uh, this is something where you've kind of like grown up in the spotlight. It's not a, it's not like, Oh, you just kind of found this level um, of success later on in life. You've kind of grew up with this, right? Yeah. I've, We've been very fortunate to have had a lot of success at a young age, and we do have a lot of media coverage in our sport, which is fantastic, especially now at the level we're at with our sponsors and getting the exposure that we want for our partners. But, I mean, I remember cutting out newspaper clips when I was, like, 12 years old, and we made this front page of the sports paper. And, I mean, as a kid, that's so cool. But it's it's neat to look back on and think, yeah, like, we're so lucky with curling that we have the coverage that we do. I mean, by no means are we like, I wouldn't consider myself a celebrity, but being from Winnipeg, it's, it's feel, it has that small town feel. And a lot of people, especially around the Olympic times are come, they turn out to be curling fans. So uh, you're recognizable because also we don't wear masks or helmets. And when we are on the ice, so and we are we wear microphones, so people feel like they get to know us, and they have this perception of what you are like. It's a whole new uh, level of uh, connection with the athletes. For sure, there's not many sports that I think have that really personal level yeah. like curling does. Do you remember the moment you were first mic'd up, Caitlin? The first time I ever wore a microphone, I think, was the final of the Canadian Junior Championship, and it was televised, uh, like live. And so you're very cautious of what you say because they say you can be fined for saying bad words or <laughs> you have to watch your body language. And it's hard because, I mean, we're all competitive. We're all in the heat of the moment. And if you miss a shot, like, you want to have a release. So some people want to bang their broom or say some choice words, and um, we can't. <laughs> so, but very quickly you learn to train yourself. Uh, I mean, for the most part, there's still a, a few moments where I'm sure a lot of us have, have slipped on that, but we try our best. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then it becomes normal, doesn't it? Like you then be- becomes just part of the game where, you know, it's just, okay, you have an awareness and the game goes on and you being, that's just part of the sport, part of the game now. For sure. And I think that adds to my enjoyment in the sport, knowing that we can interact with our fans and they do feel like they get to know us, especially if they are in the arena, they can purchase like ear sets and listen to the live feed while watching the show. So if I say something like whisper to my teammates, you can hear people in the crowd laughing uh, because I've said something funny uh, or whatever it is like, so that part's really neat because then you can try and show your true personality and get everyone having fun at the event. Besides curling, Caitlin, uh, we've talked about fishing. You love fishing. <laughs> I do, yes. <laughs> Honestly, it's I find it so calming and it's just my happy place. Like I find being on the water the most relaxing thing and it's kind of like my meditation. Uh it's just so enjoyable and it's a rush when you do finally catch one. Uh and recently I've been trying out ice fishing uh with curling. I'd never been able to do it, but as soon as the pandemic hit, we were able to try it in the spring and I loved it. It was so much fun. And I mean, it's always fun when you catch fish. So I'm lucky I have a a great uh, guide. (laughs) My boyfriend, Steph, is an awesome fisherman. So we love doing it together. Do you guys uh, do do, uh, do most of your fishing here in Manitoba? Uh, Yes. 
Yeah, so Manitoba has amazing lakes and some really great opportunities for catching different kinds of fish. And recently we just went up uh, past Roblin to the Duck Mountains and we slept in Steph's trailer, like his little utility trailer that we set up, put a bed in there and we had a quad and whatever to set up out there in the, in the country. And it was so cool. We caught a whole bunch of rainbow trout and yeah, it, it's a ton of fun. I've been up to Point Dubois, uh, north of north of Winnipeg. There, a couple hours driving. Actually, AJ and I've been up fishing up there and uh, yeah. uh, catching some pike, catching some walleye. Uh, good times up there as well. I can relate to it being a really quiet, meditative place as well. Nothing's just more relaxing than being in the middle of nowhere and trying to fresh catch air. Yeah. It's just a great place to be. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, you've been all over the world. Correct. Favorite place? Uh, if I had to pick one off the top of my head, I Japan. I say that every single time. I, I absolutely love the country, the people, the culture. It's just amazing. I mean, it was never on a, my top top of my list to go visit. Uh, before, if someone would have said, oh, where would you like to go? I'd usually say, like, somewhere in Europe would be nice or Australia, New Zealand. And there's still lots of places that are on my list. But after visiting Japan, like, if someone asked me to go back, i jump at every single opportunity. It's just such a kind kind culture and everyone that i've met there is just so friendly and so welcoming and it's beautiful i mean the history is just it's so amazing curling took you there curling took us there yes and 2011 was the first time i went uh, we played in a place called kirazawa but uh, our team likes to add on some some trips to try and get over the jet lag. So we, we went to Tokyo for a few days before the competition and then we stayed and toured uh, Kyoto, Osaka, uh, kind, of, kind of toured all over. And that part was fun, especially because we got to be tourists and do some team bonding, try different things, the, what the Japanese do uh, when in Rome, like, you know. <laughs> of course, <laughs> but, yes. yeah. But, uh, and now I've been back six times. So I, I absolutely oh, wow. love it. That's uh, that's fantastic. Have you hiked uh, Mount Fuji? Uh, we've been to Mount Fuji, yes. Uh, can't say I've like hiked the whole mountain <laughs> per se, but yeah, we went to the mountain and checked it out. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, I know it's it's uh, it's on my list uh, to get there is to, is to is to go and see as well as climb Mount Fuji, and it's it's an absolute. But then the world kind of shut down here over the last uh, twelve months, AJ. Yeah, unfortunately for your traveling around the world, all the different places you've been and, and curling has taken you and for as long as you've been allowed, uh, been able to do it. Um, how have you seen curling really grow like in all those other countries? I sure have. And, and doing some work with the world curling federation, I've been able to travel to some places uh, and teach curling. Uh, I went to Estonia, I went to Japan, I went to Mexico and that kind of opened up my eyes because the world is picking up on the sport. They won the fan base is growing all over the world. And, but the biggest growth that I've seen in this sport is in Asia. All the Asian countries are really getting quite good at curling and they seem to love it. So, I mean, we'll go and play a game that'll be televised in, in Japan or China. And there's like 7 million people watching just like a morning round Robin game where that's just like, insane to me that's more like the olympics like that many people watching no that's just like a monday morning round robin game part of the competition and i mean yes they have so many people in the countries but people are tuning in and uh, i think it's also helped that 
the Olympics have now been in the Asian countries. So coming up in 2022, Beijing is hosting and Pyeongchang, like the Korean Olympics in 2018, all those teams are really pushing for those games and you can really see the results of paying off for them. What I find interesting, Caitlin, is admittedly the demographic in, in North America and Canada would, from the viewership side, would trend to be probably a little older here. The sport being new, are we seeing a renewed, uh, uh, a renewed demographic of viewers as well? Like, is the sport rebirthing? One, 100%. Um, when I was growing up, I didn't really tell a whole lot of people that I curled because if I did, they'd be like, oh, my grandpa curls. And then once I got uh, quite doing quite well in curling, then people started to be like, hey, that's kind of neat. You're getting on TV. And, and then they started to see, like, our fan base was generally the senior demographic, the retired people that were at home would watch the daytime curling, and they couldn't get enough out of it. But then we thought, like, we need to try and change this. So in the arenas, we were starting to get a little bit of a younger crowd. It was a fun night out for people to go. They have like the Briar Patch or at the Scotties, like it's a big bar basically. So it becomes a party atmosphere. And I'd say that's more catered for younger audiences. And now with the rest of the world catching up and it being a new sport in their countries, the athletes are younger and it's more cool than it was back in the day. And so, yes, absolutely. Like, I used to only get recognized by the older generation at the grocery store. And now it's like a 17 year old kid is like, Hey, like I'm a huge fan. And I think with your work that you do uh, traveling around and teaching the game and spreading the game, has that kind of become uh, like your career that coincides with your playing career? Well, I mean, a lot of people ask, so you curl, but like, what else do you do? And I struggle with answering that question because curling is, it has become my job and I've tried to make it a career. Um, A lot of curlers haven't really done that before me. Uh, I would say now it's more the younger generation that are really trying to make it a career and it's become full time. I have a lot of other smaller roles that I would play, I would say. So I do speaking engagements, whether whether it's corporate or just community-based. I do try and do partnerships with different sponsors. And then the teaching side and sharing my love of the sport is also part of that as well. So I feel like I wear a few different hats when it comes to what I do outside of curling or what my job is. But it all seems to come full circle because of this. Yeah. The businessmen and the athletes. So, Caitlin, this is the part of the show where we uh, we hope to inspire the audience, you know, leave them with something on the business side, all on the athletic side. So today, AJ's going to kick off with uh, leaving the audience with an athletic moment to consider. Mr. Zaglin, what do you want to leave our audience with today? Yeah, so um, as you know, we spent the last few episodes, if you don't know, you can go back and check them out, uh, <laughs> setting that foundation of you know, for these athletic moments, right? It yes. started about being great at the things that required no talent, went to the five basic movements and went to the three athletic attributes. Yes. And, you know, we said, if we get all those down, uh, then we are, uh, got the foundation for how athletes train and we're all athletes when we go to the gym and, you know, you sh- we should have that expectation of ourselves. Uh, so one we didn't touch on now though is, uh, for this athletic moment is thinking about how we treat ourselves when we're not at the gym. 
So obviously when we go to the gym and we put in that hard work, that's one hour, but you know, there's another 23 hours out of the day. Um, we're all not professional athletes, but we can all still, uh, pay enough attention to, uh, treat ourselves well and set ourselves up to have success with whatever our goals or endeavors may be. So the athletic moment I'm going to leave you with today is just trying to be aware of how we're treating ourselves when we're not actually doing the work in the gym. So when it comes to our recovery, how are we eating? Are we drinking enough water? How are we sleeping? Uh, you know, are we spending the time? And we could go into these in more detail in other episodes. This is just a very general overview. But just how are you treating yourself? Because that all adds up. As we know, the work we do in the gym is only half the equation, right? So if we want to be an athlete, we want to train like a business athlete, we also got to be aware of what we're doing uh, with our bodies and with our minds when we're not in the gym, but the other 23 hours of the day. Well said. Well said, absolutely. Actions, the business athlete podcast, business moment for you guys to consider today. Actions along with words. Words matter. We've been reminded of that on the last few shows, talking to these screens all these times in our lives, and we talk to a screen, we talk to a screen, we talk to a screen. Our words matter. But as I was reminded this week, a couple days ago by a colleague, that execution matters even more. I told her I was going to do something. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I got this plan. Here's what I'm doing. I laid it all out for her, and she looked at me quizzically, and she's like, well, why don't you just do it? Touche. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's right. Why don't I just do it? So, uh, Jan, calling you out. Good old colleague at ICUC Social. Thanks for reminding me just to do it and get it done. So, uh, we'll leave that Did there. Did you? If you're thinking about doing this, I, I, yes, actually, I'm actually doing it right now as we speak. So, it's it, it has started. So, thanks for holding me on that as well, Caitlin. Yes. And another thing that I want to leave everyone with a tip with is, um, you know, depending on when you listen to this show, if it's not, if, if it's in December, Look at your calendar. If you, if, you, if, you're, if you are a resolutioner, somebody who subscribes to I'm restarting again, and listen, we don't judge anybody. You always have a chance to begin again. If you're going to begin again in January, you can probably get a head start on that now. What is it, 19 days, 18 days? So if you know what's coming, it's inevitable, right? It's inevitable, AJ. January 1st is coming. Yes, it is. What are you waiting for? Rip the bandit off. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. December becomes January on the Business Athlete Podcast. It has often been debated whether curling is an athletic sport or if it is simply a game. It doesn't matter. We don't live by definitions as a business athlete. We live by results. And it is clear our next guest lives the same way. What is also clear is that it isn't what you always see that gets you to the end. Through the difficult times, overcoming obstacles, and turning challenges into opportunities. Today I'm really proud and pleased to reintroduce our guest, Caitlin Laws, to talk about curlers being the ultimate business athlete. So Caitlin, I kicked off the introduction. You started your journey as a curler to be the best that you could be as an athlete, to win championships, to win gold medals. Yet now, yet now you've added storytelling to your resume. People want to hear your story. So I ask you, could you have imagined when you started your curling career, the influence and inspiration you would have had on so many other people around the world that want to hear your story? I, I couldn't have 
dreamed up any of anything that has happened in my my life and my career. Um, I started curling when I was four years old, and my biggest concern was what what kind of snacks were we going to have after the game, or what we were going to play with later on. So, at that point in my life, I don't think I would have imagined people would want to hear what I have to say. And especially as I got older and started to develop goals in the sport and fell in love with it. Still, even after winning championships, it's shocking to me how many people just want to hear my story and learn about, like what you said in that introduction, the challenges that I've been faced with and how I turned those challenges into opportunities and got to where I am. So it's incredibly humbling. Um, I'm still kind of like, taken aback by that this is my real life and but I love it and I love being put in a situation where I feel vulnerable but safe enough to feel my story. In episode two of the Business Athlete Podcast, Nicole Van Zanten talked about her personal journey and, and the loss of her brother and how it fueled her. Uh, for you, it was the loss of your father 13 years ago. And I'll be honest, Caitlin, I debated in my head whether I wanted to go here today, but I had to go here because it's part of your story. Mm-hmm. You have been through everything. Talk about being emotionally strong. Um, some days I don't necessarily feel emotionally strong, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I lost my dad when I was 18, and that kind of just completely rocked my world. And it could have taken me down two different paths. Either I quit curling and I don't know what my life would have looked like, or I pursue something that. I know I love to do with my dad and it was just my happy place being on the ice. And again, I never in my wildest dreams could imagine that it would have taken me to an Olympics, let alone two Olympics, but I just kept playing because I love to play. And I think I started to build a wall. Uh, I started to block out a lot of negative comments and, I mean, even with the media, I was faced with a lot of questions game after game. Um, you know, you just won this championship, your dad died, how do you feel? And it just, that beat me up so hard. And so finally, I just had to develop some some tough, thick skin just to get through some of those those moments. And in the long run, I think it made me stronger when it came to big games. And I wasn't worrying about the outcome. It was forcing me to change my perspective uh, and just stay in the moment. Have you had to find yourself in situations where you've taken um, that strength, that wall you've put around yourself into business situations where you've had to be strong and not be pushed around and bullied around, be it a contract negotiation, be it a, uh, a deal you're trying to work on, and somebody is trying to push Caitlin? Of course, yes. I, I feel that way in every aspect of my life. I mean, I'll say probably a lot in this podcast perspective to me is everything and it's how you approach different situations. And I look young. And so let's face it, I going into the business world and as a young 20 year old at the time uh, joining team Jennifer Jones, I personally wasn't able to bring any sponsors to the team because I was just seen as this kid, like no one respected me enough. So I felt like I had to prove myself and even now going forward still if someone were to look at me and they're just like oh she's just a kid and now I'm in my 30s and it's like I don't know when I'll physically feel like I can walk into a room and just like own it but I have to put everyone else's opinions aside and just be me and then eventually they'll learn (laughs) 
to respect me based on um, what I can offer them. And so now it's been great. I have the confidence to land uh, sponsorship deals and really just own the partnership. You used the word a few moments ago about being vulnerable and, and just being yourself. You're Caitlin Laws. You're a world champion curler. And essentially, that's who I am. Like, you know, those who can see my finger and I don't, you know, and, 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 and shoulders out, head held high. But yeah, like that's, that's so, so if you wanted, like, like I, I'm, I'm pretty good at who I am. It's, it's <laughs> wonderful feeling vulnerable because it's, it's, it, it's a lot of people have a hard time feeling vulnerable and have a lot of, uh, a lot of people have a hard time finding themselves to feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You've had to do it in front of the public eye. For sure. My favorite story that I like to tell about like not being respected is when I travel people look at me and they just think oh she's just this kid traveling and I'm in in the business lineup like I've like you know I've traveled the world and I have a lot of air miles and um, status within certain airlines because we fly so much so I have opportunities to upgrade myself to first class or business class because I have all these travel credits and I'll be waiting to board the plane and people will look at me and be like, oh, this is zone one. This is priority. And like, yeah. And they just cut in front of me because they don't think that I deserve to be in that line. And my jaw just drops because it happens every single time I travel. And so again, yeah, shoulders back and be like, no, actually, sorry, I was in line. And then they're like, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) But like, yeah, it happens every time and in every aspect. When you had uh, your early success in curling, obviously uh, we said um, from a young age and right through juniors, and that was you uh, skipping your own team, right? So then how does that process change when you, uh, so when you turn over, uh, and you're no longer a junior and you become a professional curler and then you join someone else's team, is that, is that difficult to do or is it, or did you guys just have such a great relationship that it, or developed such a great relationship that it made us a seamless transition, um, for you to still, you know, be involved in the leadership of the team? Uh, it was a little bit of being at the right place at the right time. Um, I finished uh, my junior career right before the Vancouver 2010 Olympics. And so I actually played my first year of women's out of Edmonton. I moved there to try and get to the 2010 Olympics for, in Vancouver. Uh, unfortunately, our team obviously didn't qualify, but that was kind of a big aha moment for me when I was like, wow, this is something that I really want to try and pursue. Now that I feel like it's being put in front of me, like it's within reach, this right. is something that I want, a goal that I want to set for myself. And uh, my teammates uh, in Edmonton were retiring or taking a step back from the game at the time. And an opening was happening on the jo- Jennifer Jones team back in Winnipeg. And I remember making a phone call to my mom and saying, hey, no, I'm going to stay in, in Edmonton. I love it out here. It was a fresh start for me, especially only a couple of years after my dad had passed away. And I was just looking for something new and exciting and I said the only thing that will get me to come back to Winnipeg would be if I could play with team Jennifer Jones and I just laughed I said like that would ever happen and within 10 minutes of me having that phone call conversation with my mom Jennifer Jones called me and I was like are you kidding me (laughs) that was my mom prank calling me trying to get me to come back to Winnipeg but we connected right away and we from 
the very first moment, like once I joined the team, team dynamics was the most important thing for us. We wanted to get to know each other. We wanted to make sure that we knew what each other needed to be able to achieve our goals and work well on and off the ice. And we just wanted to enjoy each other's company because at the end of the day, it is a business for us, but we're spending the most time with these people, more time than with our friends and family. And you have to be able to enjoy it. So it was a really easy transition for me jumping in with Jennifer, Jill and Don. I mean, they're incredible human beings for one, but we all had the same goals and we just clicked. It was seamless kind of from the get go. I'm interested in the dynamic of four, Caitlin. We talked, you talk about how important it is in business to have a strong culture to have success. Dale talked about going into multiple dressing rooms and he walked into the Flyers dressing room and knew right away that it just there was something missing in terms of culture. You talked about the dynamic when you when you joined the Jones rink. Talk about how important it is and, and I'm really intrigued by a team of four though, because I, I would my, my assumption would be easy to have two on two clicks, three on one gang ups. And, and ha- what is the culture of four like? Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, yes, you see a lot of teams that change either every couple of years or every Olympic cycle, uh, which is in like the quadrennial every four years. Uh, but for one, like our team is now going on our 11th year together, our third Olympic trial or quadrennial. And the main thing that has been able to allow us to continue is we've always said like open and honest communication yes. and there's no hard feelings. So I feel like everything that I've learned in the sport relates so much to the business world. You're not going to be productive if you can't find a way to work well with one another and with your coworkers. And so for us, like we are constantly making sure that our team dynamic is, and how we communicate is at the forefront not just something that we talk about at the beginning and it's done like it's something that's addressed constantly you have to work at it don't you for sure you do and that doesn't go to say like yeah we we don't have like it's not gonna be perfect all the time there's gonna be disagreements but it's how you react to the situation and then how you move on from it and I think that's something that we have done really well especially uh, for four women who are very driven and motivated and it's, I think it goes, shows a lot to how much work we've put into it. Caitlin, is there a, is there a core value within the communication that you, that you ladies have, have held around, which is we have to talk every day. We have to, if we're feeling something, we've got to put it out. Like, is there one key principle that you've all agreed on? For us, it's just open and honest communication, like share how you're feeling and no hard feelings. Like we're not trying to attack anyone or we're not trying to single anyone out. Like we all are here because we want to accomplish these goals and we're all held accountable for what our tasks are that are in front of us but just being completely open and honest and a prime example of that is like right now the pandemic is it's completely changed our lives it's completely changed our sport uh my like my whole year is completely different and how I feel about a lot of different things have changed so that's one thing that I've had to really step up and, and own is being open and honest about how I'm feeling and are we allowed or if we're going to go and compete, try and compete in an event, am I comfortable with traveling or just these little things that we would have never really thought of before. But 
uh, yeah, all I can say is open and honest communication is the main priority for us. I, I want to continue with team of four. So the spotlight's also brighter though, when you're throwing stones. So not only do you guys have to communicate, you know, and, and, and have a team dynamic off the ice, but the lights are so bright on the ice. There are only so many rocks and there's just four of you and you got to make your shot all the time. So you talk about leaning on each other. You, you, if you're having a bad game, the light is really bright on Caitlin Laws. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I always say this, I'm so thankful that I play a team sport because I can lean on my teammates and they're the ones that, I mean, they need to know before we even step on the ice, like if Caitlin is struggling, what can I do to help her and vice versa? I need to know what I need to do to help my teammates out. And I, I love that about a team sport. We win as a team, we lose as a team. And I think that's a really important message for anyone. Uh, we're all trying our best. We're not trying to miss our shots. I'm not going to be perfect. No one is perfect out there. It's just trying to get the most out of your opportunities. <laughs> and yeah, there's moments when yeah, the yeah. cameras are zoomed right in and I get yeah. messages on social media saying, smile more. You look angry or frustrated. <laughs> and I'm like, well, <laughs> sorry, I just missed a shot. Like, give me a second here. But like, yeah, you have, there's no wait room to hide when we have those types of moments. But I mean, that's why we play. I love that rush and those butterflies and that feeling but again so thankful that i have my teammates to lean on that's fun and and to, and to lean on and also to share it with too right to share the joy to share the sadness like that th- that is as much as anything isn't it regardless if it's in on a work journey through people you've worked with and developed a close relationship with or people in in the dressing room or people on the ice just that sharing the ups and downs is so exciting totally Mm-hmm. celebrate those wins even if they're just small little victories uh, along your journey it's it's just such a, a rush to be a part of and in every aspect of your life if you have a great day you want to share that with someone and if you have a bad day you want someone to help pick you up out of that um caitlin you talked about the the pressure there too of of, of making the shots and one thing i've always been surprised by is uh the percentage, like the standard of the percentage of success, I'll kind of explain that so it makes sense to people. But in your sport, I find like amazing because it is so incredibly high. So like, you know, if I'm playing another sport and I complete like 50% of my passes, you know, that's like very good. You know, everyone's like, wow, that's amazing. You know, or if I, I don't know, score on, 13% of the shots that I take, everyone's like, wow, that's amazing. You know? And then, you know, I know every, you know, it's all kind of relative to the sport, but in your sport, it's like, um, you know, if you're like under 80% or 85%, people are like, oh, like they're struggling out there. Like there's a ton of pressure to hit, like to make every single shot. Is there not? For sure. And people talk about that after like, Ooh, you had a bad game. I see you played like, 75% or something yeah. and whatever it is or even worse who knows <laughs> uh, and the numbers I mean they say a lot for sure but you have to take them with a grain of salt as well uh, a lot of the time at some of our competitions it's uh, volunteer based who are doing the stats and right. you don't know what you're going to get if you sometimes if you like if I'm out on the ice and I put my hand up and be like hey great shot like oh they think oh they made their shot so they'll give you whatever the marks are so that you can boost your percentage points sometimes but no I mean yeah it's it's something that's definitely talked about but like some games are won by like 
1% difference. Like if someone's playing 98% and, or whatever, and you miss one shot or a half a shot, that's the game. Like it's crazy small margins. Yeah. Are you a numbers person? Do you find yourself studying the numbers, chasing the numbers, analyzing the numbers? Are, are, are you, do you lean on that side of your brain, Caitlin? Um, sometimes like I, I always have enjoyed like math and numbers as a kid growing up and in school, but I find I don't like to rely too much on it in the sport, but right now analytics are super popular in all sorts of like in every sport. So curling's kind of catching on to that too. And there's a lot of different you know, scoreboard management and game, playing games by the numbers. But at the end of the day, it is still like a field sport. So I we don't try and rely on that too much. You also have to just know like how the game has been going. Like sometimes multiple points aren't scored and it's only like we get one, they get one. And so if you're playing the numbers, you it doesn't really add up sometimes. Yeah, we have a great guest coming up on the next show, uh, Richard Pollock. Uh, former uh, scout for uh, NHL hockey team who talked about some data and how d- data has really have, has an impact on the NHL today. And, and Caitlin, you said data is, is creeping its way or making its way more and more into curling. I would think it's a very data, it's a, very, it's a sport easy to track with data, I would think. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, especially with all the television games that are, are on, like people can really track almost every game and uh, yeah, all the stats are out there with the internet. There's, there's no hiding. <laughs> Talk about leadership. You led your own team. You had a cho- You had a chance to uh, join Jennifer Jones rank where your role changed. You went from being the leader to a team of leaders. Perhaps I can put it that way. Um, led by Jen. So how, how, how did you embrace that role? You said to your, you said to your mom that I I would the only way I would come back is if I got got a chance to be on that rink. Well, you did, but your role changed. Talk about how you how you adapted to that role of of, of a change in leadership. Well, let's just say you have to be adaptable depending on what environment you're in and what an opportunity for. At the time, I was just a 21 year old kid joining this team of world champions and the women that I looked up to the most in the sport. So I just wanted to learn. And I mean, our team with Jennifer being our skip, she is our fearless leader. She is someone who thinks outside of the box and is so creative, always trying to find ways to get better. And I think that's what a great leader is. Like she's been at the top of her game for well over a decade now. And I think that's amazing. Like it's just incredible to watch her growth in the sport. So I've been very lucky to learn from the best in, in leadership and, and role models, not only like within the curling world, but off ice too. Like I always like to pick their brains and uh, try and lead from their example. Yeah. Do you spend a lot of time studying the game? Mm, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I, there's always some aspect of my life that is going to always revolve around curling and, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily that I study a lot, but it's just like I'm, I, I've grown up with the game, so I feel like I just am always submersed in it. So we, we, our team has, like right now, a lot of virtual chats and just trying to find ways to stay connected. So we're always picking each other's brains on how we can try and find ways to get better. And right now we have no practice ice in, in Manitoba, so uh, we have to try and do it by studying other games that we can watch but yeah, I don't know I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge student of the game but I'm always trying to learn. Caitlin unlike other professional sports where 
athletes typically follow a routine. You know, they same city, same arena, same schedule. How do you have to be adaptable as a curler to keep that routine and be successful? Well, I think one of the main differences is we're still an amateur sport. We're not considered professionals uh, as much as though I say I'm a professional amateur. But at the end of the day, uh, curling ice is curling ice. A hotel is a hotel. And we're going to be, there's a lot of similarities no matter where we are in the world. There's always going to be challenges thrown at us or things that we're not expecting. But we're taught, I mean, I've been taught it from such a young age that you just have to kind of accept changes and kind of go with the flow. So there might be food that we don't like at a certain place or um, the bed's harder than we <laughs> prefer it to be. Whatever it is, you just have to find ways to adapt and, and make do with it. Uh, sometimes the ice is going to be a little bit different, but at the end of the day, it's still the four of us. It's still our team. It's still me throwing a curling rock, me sweeping a rock. And that part is you just... I don't know, just be. So, yeah, there's always going to be other elements, external elements that are thrown at you that you can't change. And you just have to accept it, find a way to embrace it, and then move on from it. Just worry about the stuff you can control, right? Exactly. You got it. So one thing that I know you can control is your training. You have one of the most uh, probably successful curling resumes out there right now in the history of your sport of everything you've accomplished. So how do you feel um, your off-ice routine, your off-ice work and your training has contributed to your success on the ice? It's a huge part of it. I mean, a lot of people don't, like you say, don't realize the work that goes in behind the scenes. And when people see me off camera, they're either like, oh, you're so much smaller than I thought you'd be. Or they don't realize, like, once they see me in the gym, like, you're a lot stronger than I thought you would be. <laughs> and I like surprising people, like, small and mighty, you know. <laughs> Got to work hard out there. Uh, but for me, it's just always been one of my happy places. Like, I love going to Focus Fitness. I love getting my butt kicked by Mel. And to me, it's a sense of accomplishment. But not only knowing what I've done sports specifically in the gym, that's only going to make me so much stronger on the ice and limit my injuries. My recovery is going to be so much faster. And it's just great for my mental health. So it, it gives me energy. And that part just helps so much with my game. And I know that I can trust what I've done in the gym is going to help me. I don't have to think about Uh, certain muscles and certain movements on the ice I know that I put in the work and I can just play right because the physical demands of the game are often overlooked as well right I know I know us as a as a as a group who I think we were a a pretty in shape group uh, we've been out curling before you guys (laughs) day everyone was couldn't stop about talking about how sore they were um, right. sweeping from being in the position coming out of the hack. Most of us couldn't even get into it properly <laughs> in a proper position. And then, and then after sweeping, we're out of breath. Like I said, we were so sore the next day. So I think there's an underappreci- underappreciation, sorry, uh, for the physical demands of the game too, when you're playing it. Completely. I mean, we're, our motions are very repetitive. So a lot of our injuries are overuse injuries and so that's something we just have to be super careful of I know like each sport and each athlete is going to be like their bodies are designed for their sport and I'm super lopsided one way just based on how I deliver a curling rock and how the position I'm in while I sweep 
but I strengthen my body for that so that it can endure that wear and tear. And my favorite part about teaching other athletes or different people how to curl is, yeah, they don't realize like they're going to be pretty sore the next day if they're putting in the effort. <laughs> oh yeah. Athletics wasn't always the biggest part of curling. Let's face it. Curling is, has some history rooted in some fun social aspects of the game on the ice. Yet it is such a big part of the success. Uh, do, do you see your, your other uh, other curling colleagues taking athletics as importantly as you do? For sure. Uh, it's especially now. I'd say in the last fifteen years, or ten to fifteen years, uh, training in the gym working on your mental strength, everything has become such a priority. People are now like they're jacked. Like some of the curling athletes that I've seen are, they're just in insane shape. And it wasn't like that 20 years ago when people had beer bellies and were smoking a cigarette out on the ice. <laughs> um, but that's kind of the unique thing about our sport is the social aspect is such a huge thing for like, the curling rinks and the club level of our sport right now. But with the Olympics being such a huge carrot, like if I'm not putting the time in the gym, my competitors are, and they're going to be the ones that can play three games a day, 10 ends uh, in each game and, and be able to maintain that level of focus throughout all those games. So I want to make sure that I'm putting in the time and knowing that I have no regrets. When did you write down that you were going to the Olympics? When did you write down in your journal and you said, I'm going to the Olympics? Ah, that's a good question. I, th I think the first time I actually realized that it was a goal of mine was in 2009. So it wasn't even that long ago. But the first time I wrote down that, like, I, when I fully believed that I was going, that was in 2012. So two years out from the uh, Sochi Olympics, I was convinced like I convinced myself that I was going to the Olympics and I wholeheartedly believed it so you said you had to convince yourself what did you have to convince you just knew you wrote it down you knew didn't you, you knew. it's one thing writing it down but actually believing in yourself and believing it it's possible like I can set all these in immaculate goals but if I'm not going to put in the effort and the work to try and accomplish them then what's the point so at that time in 2012, I got the opportunity to go to the London Summer Olympics with the Olympic Committee. I got to go behind the scenes, be in the village, and really just see from like an athlete's perspective what it's like to be at the Games. And I was just in awe, like, I want this so badly. And I don't know, it was just a complete switch in my, my mindset and my perspective changed. And I was just like, why have this dream of just wanting to get there? Like, I believe that I can get there. And I, yeah, like I said, I came back from those summer games and told my teammates, like, we're going to the Olympics. And they kind of looked at me like, who, who are you to say that? Like, we've been trying to get there for so long. But I was like, no, like, you have to believe, like, we are going to the Olympics. And I think that confidence really helped them as well. So you have talked about being a team of four, mm -hmm. but what you've also been a team of two. So. <laughs> Second time you're in the Olympics, you were there as uh, mixed doubles um, with John Morris. And so what was the difference? Like, what is that dynamic like um, going from a team of four now to a team of two? It was completely different. Um, 
I find, like, I love playing mixed doubles and the four-person game as well. I find they, when you play mixed doubles, it helps me with my women's game and vice versa. But the biggest changes was the dynamic. And we struggled early on in the Olympic trials, John and I. Um, we hadn't really had a lot of time to spend together to figure out what that dynamic looks like on the ice, off the ice. And like after a loss, we were just like, we can't do what we're doing. And I said to him, like I, we've talked about with my women's team, open and honest communication. I'm like, this isn't working for me and this is going to have to change and vice versa, like no hard feelings. And I think that really helped uh, build a strong foundation for us going into the Olympics. We watched the other teams and those pressure moments where they had to make a shot, like they were bickering and fighting and their dynamics were falling apart where we ended up thriving in those moments that supported each other. If I missed a shot, he'd make up for it and we'd just brush it off. And it was huge for us. Uh, but in the, in the two person game, I find it's, you're a lot more vulnerable because you only have only one other person to rely on. So, I mean, for me, I, if I missed a shot, like it was very no evident if that happened. So your percentage of play has to increase and, also your mindset where like you can't dwell on those losses it's since it's such a fast-paced game you have to move on from it really quick sponsorship is such a big part of the sport the pandemic has impacted curling in different ways than it has impacted other professional sports one may argue it has impacted it even more um, because um, of just the way the, you know, the, the revenue structure the business model around the sport can you share with me your views on on how how much the pandemic could have could could potentially set back the sport of curling, and and how how you're dealing with it on a day to day basis? I'm worried for the sport. Uh, we were getting to such a great place with having more professional type events. Our Grand Slams, run by Sportsnet, uh, are such huge events for us, and they have equal pay, equal amount of events for men and women. And it's right now, I think that's a huge thing for in sport and a huge topic that's being brought up across the world. So like we curling had such good energy going and it was moving in the right direction. So I'm worried right now with the loss of television opportunities, there's going to be a loss of sponsorship. Um, and we're going to have to start not necessarily from scratch, but kind of at a lower area than we were before. And even me personally, uh, with our team, uh, we're having to get a little bit more creative in ways that we can offer different opportunities for our, our sponsors, for our partners, uh, and how they can get value from us. And so that's been interesting trying to figure out what that looks like. And we have lost sponsors due to the pandemic because their businesses have been really impacted. And obviously, that's completely understandable. And we want to support all our local businesses as much as possible. So that's been an interesting, I don't want to say challenge, but um, just a really interesting time for us to try and figure out financially how, what that looks like for all of us and how we're going to move forward from it. You mentioned just that value on the first show, AJ and I talk about, you know, we're very, very fortunate that people tune us in, listen to us and give us moments of their day. And, and as AJ said, as long as we're giving them value, they'll keep tuning in. Mm -hmm. And you just said it, Caitlin, 
if if you're not curling and you're not adding value to your sponsors, they're questioning why they're paying you. I, you know, as a, as as a curling athlete, it must be very difficult right now trying to find value to give back to your partners. For sure. I mean, we're very lucky that the companies that we have partnered with, we have a great relationship and it's not we're not only seen as like the athletes and they have their logo on our uniform like we have a relationship and where we can openly honestly communicate and and talk about how their business is going and and how we're doing and then try and figure out different ways like yes they're not necessarily going to be getting the television time that they had before but with social media and different platforms we can add something that way or we can have you know a zoom call with uh, with their teammates or their their employers and just little things that to, can try and brighten someone's day I think can go a long way so we're trying to get creative that way so if you know of anyone that would like to partner with Team Jones <laughs> we're looking <laughs> if anybody wants to partner with Team Jones get a hold of uh, get a hold of Caitlin through myself or AJ Keith at businesshockeys.com or AJ at businesshockeys.com World, uh, world champion uh, on your team. I've always, I've always found curlers similar to. Again, I'll go back to the analogy of NASCAR drivers. For sure, and that's why, like, we don't just go and partner with anyone. We want to make sure that our values align with the company's values, and we're very lucky that we've have a lot of great fits over the years, and I've met a lot of great people in the business world. But yes, at the end of the day, uh, not only are we representing them, but they're representing us as well in our brand. You talked about social media. You came into the sport. You've been in the sport for a long time. Social media did not have its the impact that it has. It didn't even exist. <laughs> it didn't even exist, yeah. Believe me, I can tell a story about that. Yes, ICUC.social. Check us out. We are in the social media business. Um, yes, so social media, Caitlin. How has it changed your sport? Hmm, that's interesting. I haven't really thought about it like that. I would say it's definitely being a great way to interact with our fans um, and also showcase our partners and our sponsors. Um, it's been interesting navigating the negative side of social media uh, that comes with it. But at the end of the day, again, I've said this word a lot, but perspective. So when I get a lot of, not that I get a lot of nasty <laughs> messages or whatever it is, but if I do get something that's negative, I, I just laugh about it because it's, someone's taken time out of their day to make sure that they wanted me to feel shitty. But <laughs> sorry if I can't say that word, but, uh, but so I just, I just, <laughs> I just laugh because, you know, at the end of the day, that doesn't affect how I feel about myself. And so I think it's pretty funny. So no, I think there's a lot of great things from social media. I've thoroughly enjoyed staying active uh, on social media during the Olympics and just seeing the reach that our sport has gotten uh, all across the world. I think that's amazing. And I've always been a fan of sharing my journey. And if I can help someone feel confident in what they're doing or try and chase their dreams, whatever it is, like then I know that I've done my job. So I think that's pretty neat that, I mean, people can also reach out and, and share those moments with us. It is really neat. It really evens the playing field, doesn't it? Because somebody can just reach out and, you know, next thing you know, they're they're DMing with you. You may or may not want to respond to them, but they can have a connection. <laughs> you can they can have a connection with Caitlin, right? There's something really neat about that. Do you feel the need to constantly fuel the machine? Um, earlier on, maybe when 
I had first started out in social media, I felt like I had to put out content and I mean, there's part of me, I think it would help my brand and my business grow if I were to be constantly um, on social media and making posts and certain things. So I think for me, it's just been finding a balance. Uh, sometimes I just like to log off and go fishing and <laughs> share my adventures later on, like not necessarily like right away. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, I mean, I wish sometimes I could be better at it, but other times uh I enjoy just having that balance of posting tidbits here and there. So Caitlin, uh, you talked a little bit about um, the challenges or whatever that this pandemic has uh, placed upon the sport. Do you find that there's been any um, extra pressure since, you know, you mentioned earlier that you've chosen um, to kind of make curling your whole career, whereas other people uh, maybe split their, or not split their time, but they have a, a career that happens simultaneously with their curling career. Um, so yours being 100% all in curling, is there any extra pressure right now? Or do you feel you might be feeling it more, um, maybe than other people that have, uh, careers that are, that take them down, uh, other avenues? Yes. Um, I mean, I think about it often, like, what am I doing with my time? Should I be doing something else? Uh, like, is this kind of a moment like where I can, take advantage of other opportunities. And I think this little bit of a break has been also good for me as well. So I'm taking some online courses and just trying to expand uh, my horizons a little bit, not necessarily transitioning from sport, but transitioning within the sport as well. So I think there's a lot of positives that can come from this. I, I try not to look at it as like, oh, I've lost my job in the spring. Oh, I lost my job again this fall. Because uh, I think if I were to think about it like that, it would I'd struggle quite a bit. Would you like to? Would you like to have a? Would you like to continue and have a life in curling, be it on the on the broadcast side or, you know, working for the Olympics, or would you like to stay in the sport? I have no idea. I am completely open to any new opportunities or challenges, and I think in some way I'll always be connected to the sport. Uh, even right now, with what I'm taking in school, I'm doing some communication courses and. I think that that could help me maybe potentially with broadcasting or podcasts or whatever. Like there's always going to be an opportunity uh, on the, the media side of things if I want it. So um, just trying to keep my options open. Maybe have your own fishing show one day. Right. That'd yeah, be so much that'd fun. Be great. <laughs> <laughs> Why have you had the success you have had? What's different about you? Hmm. The why me question. Yeah. <laughs> I've asked myself that a few times and I've struggled to answer it. Um, I don't know why. Um, I know that I've put a lot of time into it. I'm passionate about what I do. I work really hard and I believe in myself wholeheartedly and I believe in my teammates. But at the end of the day, I mean, I don't want to say I've gotten lucky. Uh, I think there is a little, bit, a little bit of luck involved, but... Uh, I think you have to be good to be lucky as well. So I don't know. I'm not sure what the answer is to that question, but I, I do continuously ask myself that. Um, I am very humbled by the opportunities that I've had from sport and leading into the business world as well. So I'm just very grateful and appreciative of everything that I've got to do in the sport. I, it's an interesting question to ask oneself is why, why, why me in any situation. Right. And, and the moment you can just be grateful about it is I think the moment you're a step, you're a step ahead. 
Mm-hmm. Admittedly, AJ, it's the music moment part of the show, and I don't know how I'm going to get through this part because I reached out to Kaylin today, and I said, Kaylin, we do a little music segment on the show, and, 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 and you know, I, I said, I would love your music list. I'd love to know what you listen to, Caitlin. We'd love to tell the audience that this is Caitlin Law's competitive curling music list. And what did she say? I'm the worst when it comes to music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually reading it here. I'm more of whatever is on the radio and borrow my boyfriend's playlist. Word for word. So I, I'm like, all right, AJ. So our thesis of music being the center of the business athlete, well, for Nicole, it didn't matter because she couldn't wear it during her competition. And for Caitlin, eh. Well, Steve, I, I thought you were going to say that it was going to be hard on you because I thought she was maybe going to have a big country component in there. And, uh, I'm a country fan. I know you are not, though. Keith is not a fan of country music, and I thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought Caitlin was going to come in with a heavy country, you know, a music playlist that was heavy on the country music. <laughs> well, what, well, 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 I, I, I did get Scottish music for today. We don't know country music, but I have some Scottish theme going on there. So, all right, so let's keep moving on here. Um, this is the segment of the show. Next steps, AJ, moving forward. The only time you look behind is to see how far you have come. What next steps, because as you know, as a business athlete, we always have to do what it takes to take the next step. What have you accomplished since the last show? What are the next steps you are focusing on over the next week? And Caitlin, we're going to ask you this question too. But I'm going to go first because I'm proud of this one. And AJ, I kind of teased this to you a couple days ago. Over the past several days and weeks, I have been working on putting words to something I believe is important. And I'm really proud of it. I created a business athlete manifesto, my own manifesto, a set of intentions, beliefs and values that I subscribe to and stand behind when I lead. And to be honest with you, it's taken me 48 years for me to come to a realization of what this manifesto is and what it means and how I'm going to lead. But I'm proud of it and I feel vulnerable sharing it. And I'm going to share it with the audience as time goes on through the year and into the, and into, and over the coming weeks. Um, what I, you know, what I'm learning and what we've all learned and Caitlin talked about it earlier, when you write things down, magic happens. Now throwing over to you, AJ, what are the next steps you have coming up between last week, this week and moving forward? Next steps with AJ. Uh, so my next steps from the last two previous weeks now, I, I would like to say are either, uh, completed or in, in the process as, as was my plan. We had, uh, the one from, uh, a couple of weeks ago where I was working on some stuff, I said business-wise, where we can uh, just worry about what we can control. So I got a bunch of renovations done uh, to the gym, which was awesome. Uh, and then my, my ones from our last episode was uh, starting um, a different type of training or just kind of expanding some of my own personal training horizons to meet some goals that I've always put out there that I said I've wanted to do, but you know, I haven't done it because I haven't done it. So I've got to do something that I haven't done before to get there. So um, I did start on that process. So uh, so that's going well. Um, and then my uh, next steps uh, for uh, this week coming forward um, is just to uh, j- just to maybe bring a little own uh, self awareness, a little more uh, higher degree of effort, um, just into some of my uh, relationships. I found that um, obviously through this time 
there's been some people that I used to connect with on a daily basis that I haven't been able to now. I shouldn't say I haven't, or, or sorry, I haven't been connecting with them on the daily basis. I shouldn't say that I can't because the opportunity with technology now still exists for me to do that. Um, it's just, it was almost so easy and natural before because I used to see them and I really miss some of those connections. So my next steps are, you know, just to make more of a concerted effort on some of those relationships to uh, just to, you know, be the one to reach out and, and, you know, make sure that we keep those connections strong, you know, cause I, I miss them. So. All right. Episode six, AJ. Yeah. Check out the tunes, Caitlin. That's how we came in the doors today, playing a little bit of Scottish pipes. <laughs> You're walking into a curling event. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. like it. <laughs> yes. You will love how we kicked off the show. Listen, I've really enjoyed having you on. You've been really gracious with your time. Thank you so much for joining AJ and myself in the, in the gym, in the curling rink for episode six of the Business Athlete Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure chatting with both of you. And like I said, I missed seeing your friendly faces around the gym. So hopefully uh, 2021, we can reunite. <laughs> I'm hopeful we can see each other very soon as well. Episode six of the Business Athlete Podcast, we just wrapped up with Caitlin Laws. She just left the, not calling it the gym today, AJ. We're calling it the curling rink. The rink. We're calling it the rink. So Caitlin just left. AJ and I are wrapping up today's show, uh, giving you guys a heads up on what, what's coming up next. So next, uh, next episode, we have a former NHL data scout. Guy spent his uh, time sitting up here at the press box, uh, Winnipeg, uh, watching NHL games, tracking analytics. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. So what's fascinating to me, AJ, is, is somebody just sits there and just, like, what do they do? <laughs> yeah. Like, they're, they're watching every player and writing things down. Like, I'm really, I know, I know I'm sounding really simple right now, but you're sitting, you're sitting in your press box. What are you marking down? So we're going to ask uh, Richard Pollock, our next mm-hmm. guest on the, the Business Athlete Podcast. We're going to talk business Data. I know. I know. AJ has some opinions on data that uh, he's touched on in some early episodes, and he's going to come yeah. prepared to talk about uh, next uh, next episode. Uh, Richard right. Pollock, data, business, sports, all together. I'm uh, I'm really interested to hear from him because so far, all our guests that we have talked about uh, data with, so Caitlin, uh, Dale Weiss, yeah. uh, they've all made the comments of. I think how I, I can really associate with my own personal views, as you yeah, know, yeah. that there has to be a proper mix and balance between the data and just the feel of the game. And, uh, you know, you heard Caitlin talk about it today. Um, you heard Dale talk about it previously. So I'm interested now uh, to get from not a perspective of the person in the arena competing, but like I said, someone whose job is just to study and deliver the analytics them not actually being personally involved in the game i'm really interested to hear their point of view on that you know and make their case and their argument uh as to the importance of the numbers it's interesting because uh we've shifted to such a number culture yeah yeah oh totally yet when we talk about what is most important for organizations to succeed we talk about culture we talk about humans and what is often in the middle of that is immeasurable emotion 
Yeah. Well, the culture is how it makes you feel to be a part of that thing, right? Right. So how do you put a number value on that? Right. And, and, and many people will say, well, you can measure happiness, you can measure productivity, you can measure this, but you're still asking right. somebody to either check a box, circle a number, write down how they're feeling. It is, it is right. still based on, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's anecdotal, right? It's emotion. So yeah. yeah. Anyways, interesting discussion. I know we are going to have coming up on the next episode of the business athlete podcast. And then AJ, I think we're going to take things in a little different path for the show after that. Oh yeah. I have an idea. Awesome. I love ideas. I talked moments ago about next steps. And I talked about the business athlete, about my personal manifesto. Yes. I think what we might do on a coming episode is go through that manifesto. Awesome. To set people up for success in 21. Those that might want to adopt something like the manifesto, those that might want to adopt some of the ideas, those that might want to consider building their own, but I'm going to go on a limb. I'm publishing it. I'm standing behind it. Everybody I work with is going to see it. Everybody who I work with in the future is going to see it. I'm standing naked. That's what I believe, and that's how I'm going to lead. And I'm proud of it. So I think we uh, talk about it on our upcoming episode of the Business Athlete Podcast, and maybe we just you and I around the table. Yeah, I love it. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, we can go through all the points. Or we can even open up the bucket and bring in some old guests from the Business Athlete Podcast. I don't know, but I think that that's going to be a plan. We're gonna we're gonna work an episode around the manifesto. We're gonna go through it, talk about it, and uh, share it, share it with all of you. And then I'm gonna challenge you and encourage all of you to do the same. And you know, I like the idea, man. And you know what's interesting, AJ? I find, anyways, is that uh, it's one thing to write it down. I got to execute on it. Yeah. Right. Every, so, you know, I'll tell you though, when I wrote it, it became really freeing for me. Right. I found myself facing a business decision a day after I wrote it down. Yeah. I found myself asking questions on how I was going to make that business decision. You know what I did? Opened up the, old, I can guess, opened up the old manifesto. Right. I said, okay, decision is this. Looked at the old values, looked at it, okay, right, all right, okay, there you go. That's how we're making the decision. Right. No going way. back to uh, Dr. Craig Slonwhite there talking about just living by uh, your values, right? No wavering. It was actually pretty yeah. easy. It was like, oh, okay, well, actually, oh, yeah, nope, right there. No debate. Right. Don't have to worry about it. Don't have to feel guilty about it. Don't have to even second guess it. That's yeah. the decision. Because it's the same decision I'm going to make. Next week, next month, next year, five years from now, ten years from now. It's kind of freeing to feel that way. Yeah, I would imagine it would be. Absolutely. Right? So, taking me a long time to get there, AJ, admittedly, being vulnerable here. But yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the, the manifesto in, in an upcoming episode uh, for, for everybody to hear about and so forth. So, All right. I guess we can wrap it up today. Any closing words for our our global audience of business athlete leaders out there? Uh, we appreciate your time once again, and we'll see you in the gym. This is the Business Athlete Podcast for AJ Zeglin and Caitlin Laws. 
I'm Keith Billis. We're all business athletes. See you in the gym.